You're listening to The Bunker New York, live on RBMA Radio. Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. I'm your host, Brian Kasnick. Today, joined by a very special guest, Miguel Senkis of Spectral Sound, Ghostly, and Drip. He's going to be joining us very shortly for a set. Uh, he's also going to be joining us at an event we're doing tomorrow night in Brooklyn at Good Room, the bunker celebrating 15 years of Spectral with JTC, Osborne, Patricia, Mike Servito, Derek Pazleko, Jeffrey Sapphire, and Miguel. So if you're in New York and want to check that out, more info on that on our website, thebunkerny.com. The track you're listening to right now is Patrick Russell's remix of Clay Wilson coming out tomorrow, actually, on The Bunker New York. It's a full EP of Patrick Russell remixing various tracks from our back catalog, Romans, Zemi 17, and Clay Wilson. So we're going to let this play out, and then after that, uh, Miguel will be in the mix And later on in the show, he's going to join us for an interview to talk about Spectral Drip and his past in Detroit. So stay tuned for all that. This is The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio.
Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. Uh, right now we're in the mix with Miguel Sinquez. I'm going to read back some of the tracks he's been playing. Uh, Alfie, The Testament. Before that, we heard uh, the Jared Wilson remix of Circuitry. And let's see, Adion, Against All Odds, and start off a set with Matthew Deere in On In Unbending. Uh, Miguel's going to be in the mix for another hour here before the interview, so stay tuned. This is The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio.
you're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. We are in the mix with Miguel Singhis. Um, right now, Big Strick off of The Gathering. Uh, for that, Matrix Man with The Caravan. Beaner, Tool of Existential Dread. Juxtaposition with Sweatbox. Uh, two in a row from Osborne. Late and Boutrated Jack. James T. Cotton with The Box. And Trust Me with Ring Round Heart. We're going to stay in the mix with Miguel until 5.30, so he still has another 35 minutes. And then we're going to pick his brain about spectral drip and his lurid past in Detroit. Uh, Stay tuned. You're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. Thank you. 
Listening to the Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. That was Miguel Sinkies in the mix. Uh, read back some of the tracks he played. That last one was from mm-hmm. Joey Anderson, Organ to Dust, from his release on Deck Mantel. And uh, while we're talking about Deck Mantel, I guess a good time is any to mention a party that we're doing as part of the Red Bull Music Academy Festival in New York in May, on May 7th at Good Room. It's The Bunker and Deck Mantel with Juju and Jordash, Joey Anderson, Palms Tracks, Deck Mantel Sound System, Brian Kasnick, Antennas, and Clay Wilson. More info on that and all our upcoming events on our website, thebunkerny.com. And before that, 2 a.m. FM, Desolate Cities, JTC, Valley Road, Biometric Etcher, Todd Osborne, Put Your Weight on It, Beesmont Sound System, Amsterdam 808, James T. Cotton, Uchiku, Derek Plasleko, Glass, Ble- Glass Bead Game, uh, Joey Anderson with the, the Marco Shuttle remix, and I think at the last break we were at the gathering from Big Strick. Um, so thanks a lot, Miguel. Amazing set. Thank you. Um, I think uh, a really good sneak peek at what's going to go down tomorrow like a lot of a lot of jtc tracks osborne Puzzleco, servito sound yeah pretty much that's uh all i packed for tomorrow <laughs> night <laughs> we're just missing a sapphire track yeah where is that jeff yeah he has tracks oh i don't have them so <laughs> <laughs> okay maybe he can you know if he's listening feels like bringing some promos for those of us who don't have his music on vinyl tomorrow. Um, so some about your background, you're, you're from Michigan, you're from Detroit or near Detroit. Yeah. I grew up about 45 minutes North of the city in uh, Pontiac, Michigan, which is, uh, where they made the car and <laughs> <laughs> used to, uh, commute down to Ferndale and Roseville to the record stores and then down to Detroit to hang out. Um, but yeah. So what, what era was it when you started going to the record stores and I presume out to events in Detroit? Uh, I think I caught the tail end 
of uh, you know the rave scene in Detroit. I am younger than a lot of the other guys. Uh, I graduated in 2000, so I think I went to started going to the record store around 97, 98 when I got turntables, and uh, probably went to my first party in 98. So just caught the tail end of the good stuff and missed all of the amazing things that I've heard about. Right. And so then, you're, you're like Truxler era Detroit kind of, right? Yeah, I'm, a, I'm about three three or so years older than Seth. Yeah, which is like. What is that? Fifth or sixth wave? Detroit. <laughs> yeah, seventh or eighth. I don't know. <laughs> Running out of waves. Um, so I've read that your mother played a strong role in your musical development. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Like what, what role she played? Yeah, sure. Uh, I think she's listening right now. So I just want to say I love you, mom. Thank you. Aww. <laughs> uh, my mother was a radio DJ in Cleveland. Uh, she was a quiet storm DJ, uh, which is kind of like smooth jazz and soul and kind of sexy time music. Uh, weekend evenings and um, when we moved to Michigan she took a job as a uh, nightclub manager for this place called industry and um, around that time I think the plastic man album uh, I'm not sure it was like purple cover uh, had come out and she worked the party uh, and she came home and she brought some posters and some CDs and kind of just left them on my dresser the consumed one yes with, like the black yeah yeah the, with a oh, little I, with a split in the with middle. the sliver yeah, yeah. that's so, yes, actually, I have my mother to credit for turning me on to Plastic Man. Was she there working coincidentally because she worked at that club? Or was she a Plastic Man fan? Who? No, no, she just worked for the venue. She didn't <laughs> give a crap. <laughs> She's just like, can I go home now? It's, uh, it's like 3 a.m. I should probably leave. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, so she, she bestowed her record collection on me and you know, has always encouraged me to... You know do this and she worked in the music industry for my entire uh, upbringing so I've just always been around it um, yeah and it, it's just very lucky uh, also I just want to give a shout to my sister Taylor who's texting me right now telling me to give her a shout <laughs> <laughs> all right anybody who has Miguel's phone number that wants a shout <laughs> apparently you can get one by texting him right now <laughs> So um, some of the other artists playing tomorrow night, we have uh, Derek Puzlico and Mike Servito are going to be doing a back-to-back set in the bad room. Uh, when did you did you meet those guys? When you were were you all still in Michigan at the same time, or did you meet those guys in New York? No, nope, I met them back then. Um, even when I was still in high school, Servito was playing uh, at this club called Tonic that was in the city that I grew up in. So I had seen his name on flyers. And uh, Derek, I met at the record store as well as Patrick and a couple of the other bunker people who have made their way, f- you know, from Detroit to New York and, and on. Carlos. Well, Carlos hasn't come through New York, but I know he was around the record stores. BMG yeah. BMG worked at Record Time, too, I think, right? I didn't really know him then. Uh, I kind of met Carlos and Brendan in Ann Arbor when I was going to school. Uh, I went to Eastern Michigan and did a couple of uh, radio shows at WCBN, um, which was a really good time. So I, so I met Todd Osborne. So I think I met you through Sam Valenti and Spectral Sound and Ghostly. When when exactly did your relationship with the label begin? Um, so I think I had a couple starting, a couple of uh, beginnings with them. Um, <clears throat> I had interned at a club called uh, Motor in Detroit, and I was what they called a flyer biatch. <laughs> oh, you were like the intern at Motor? <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Uh, and um, Ghostly did one of their first parties there. I think it was for the uh, Matthew Deere with uh, John Selway, maybe. Um, and so I met 
uh, Sam that night. And then over the years, I would just kind of see him around in the scene. Um, and then around 2006, uh, I had been on the same flight as him and had been offered a job to come to New York to work at Flavor Pill. And so kind of hit him up and he said he had a room. So I moved in with him. And that was sort of the beginning of our official beginning of our friendship and sort of working with Ghostly. So you moved in with Sam right when you moved to New York? Yes, that was like your first apartment. Well, technically, I lived on Robert Gorell's couch for about a month, and then I and then I moved in with Sam. Shout out Robert (laughs) Gorell. Hopefully, he's listening. Um, So who, uh, like, so what? How did you? So that's how you met Sam. But how did you actually get involved in the label? Like, when and in what capacity did you start working there? Uh, <laughs> so the story goes, we were on a flight together and I uh, had been a huge fan of Ghostly and the brand and obviously Dobry and uh, the website was kind of crap. And so I was doing web development and I felt pretty cocky at that time. And so I used that opportunity on the flight to tell him uh, what I thought about the website. And so he, uh, you know, was just like, okay, do you want to fix it? And so that was uh, sort of the first project that I did for Ghostly. Um, just redid the website and then worked on a couple other projects for them. And so it just sort of naturally became like this person who is in the periphery of the label who kind of helps out with things. And uh, around 2009, when I left Flavor Pill, uh, I just joined Ghostly full time. And uh, yeah, I was just working with those guys and it was, it was really awesome. It's a really smart, creative group and I'm really happy to have had that opportunity. So who are the core individuals aside from you and Sam, behind Spectral? I guess, like, artists, label managers, like, who's, what's what's the team over there? Who's, who's I guess, I guess I'm curious, like, who's who's deciding what's coming out on Spectral? Yeah, um, I would say probably uh, not me. <laughs> uh, I think Sam and Jacob, uh, goes by Heather Pearls, uh, probably the main A&Rs, and then Jeff Owens out in Los Angeles, and Molly uh, Smith here in New York are contributing the most in terms of like what what's getting considered and and how they feel about it and whether they think that it's got staying power and uh choosing you know the release schedule but um you know i've, I've tried to do that but i, I get, get a little gun shy <laughs> uh when they put records towards me to ask you know what i think i'm just like oh, i don't know I, I would play it i wouldn't play it that's, that's the extent of my feedback that's that's good feedback though that's the most important thing well i think with spectral it's uh not just about making tracks or putting out tracks. It's, you know, songs that sort of make a statement and um, can last, you know, beyond any trends. And so I think it's one of the cool things about the label and how it's been around for 15 years is that, uh, you know, I was doing all of the excavation of the catalog to try to prepare for this weekend. And a lot of the stuff that I played today was from 2001, 2002, 2004, um, and a ton of JTC. Just, just yeah. absolute bananas how much Tad... Uh, just such a genius, like putting out so much track, so many music, <laughs> excuse me, putting out so many songs, uh, as Tad Mullinex and, uh, James T. Cotton and 2AM FM, Dobry and just all the aliases. I think he just makes up like a substantial amount of the catalog and, uh, just all great. It's, it's interesting that so much of the music was from the early 2000s because it didn't, um, I feel like it's a really relevant sound to right now and a lot of. A lot of what was happening in the early to mid 2000s is not sounding super relevant right now. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think, the mark of a good label. And that would be, I guess, around 2000, we're talking about the very beginning of the label. I have these stats from you <laughs> 15 years, 130 releases, 31 artists on the roster. It's 
it's pretty impressive. As someone who's been running a record label for like two years, getting that many releases out every year for that long is, yeah, very impressive. That's about 8.6 releases per year. Oh, wow. <laughs> Did you just do that in your head? Yeah. <laughs> um, so at what point, how, how old is Ghostly? Ghostly is one year older than Spectral. Okay. So, so think, do you know? I know actually, you... no, maybe two years. I think yeah. Ghostly, if, if the official story is at 1999 uh, out of the dorm room at U of M. So I guess Spectral is 2001. Okay. So I know you weren't on board then, but what what was the idea behind Spectral being like a new label? Why not just keep everything under the Ghostly umbrella? Why Why was this second side offshoot label created? Um, I think because, you know, Ghostly is pretty eclectic and likes to stick within a theme but not be uh, constrained by a particular genre. And dance music is it's different. It's a genre. It's a type of music. It all kind of has like a similar structure. And so to be able to have the flexibility to release that stuff um, coherently and without... I don't know, I guess messing up the release schedule of Ghostly. Uh, right. And also, you know, there was like a different group of people involved. I think at the beginning, you know, Matt Deere did a lot of the A&R and Ryan Elliott and uh, Seth Troxler. And, you know, these guys were all out playing and sort of bringing back the songs that they were uh, either getting from other producers or stuff that they were producing themselves. And it it just kind of had its own little area to exist. And I think it was necessary. Yeah, I definitely think of... I mean, in the early years of Spectral, it's sounding very much like Ryan and Men Matt's label. Like, I think you could really feel their mm -hmm. A&R then, but they're not so much involved in that process anymore? Uh, not so much. I mean, they're definitely still in the family. Matt is, you know, focused on uh, his Matthew Deere project, and I think uh, he's got some Audion records coming out and doing live shows and then DJ shows, and uh, he's very busy. <laughs> Right. And uh, Ryan is out in Berlin, uh, part of the Oscott family, and kind of working on his own stuff. So, uh, you know, I think every once in a while they might send something or we'll shoot it out to get their feedback. But uh, by and large, they're no longer involved in the a and of the records. Right. Uh, are there upcoming releases you can or want to talk about on Spectral? Well, yes. <laughs> uh, I Let's think, talk about yeah. it. Um, so we just put out a record by Moire. And uh, you can get that at theghostlystore.com. And um, there's some mouth-to-mouth 10-year -mouth, uh, anniversary remixes coming out soon. Um, I think there's new material from Audion uh, that we may be putting out. And I think also some stuff coming out on K7. Um, I assume that we're getting some more stuff from Matrix Man, but I'll let him text me and <laughs> confirm. <laughs> uh, and that's, that's all I can speak of for now. Oh, and you know, I think maybe some more stuff from Patricia and Forumo, uh, both like nice contributors over the past uh, year. Yeah. So um, after your involvement in Spectral and Ghostly, at some point you kind of transitioned over to Drip, which was kind of an arm of Ghostly and Spectral and run out of the same office. Um, I guess when, when did, I guess when did the idea behind Drip start? And I guess it would be a good idea to tell the listeners who don't know, like what, what is Drip? What is the idea here? Yes. What is Drip? Good question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Drip is a platform that connects artists, uh, creators, labels uh, with the fans that want to support their operations or their creativity. So um, just go to drip.com and you find a creator that's got something that you're interested in and you pay a monthly fee or maybe an annual fee 
and you get access to most of what they do, a little bit of inside access, maybe guest list or merch or information process, uh, tutorials, I don't know, whatever they want to give. I guess in your case with Bunker, you get a discount to all of the shows, which for people like me who don't buy pre-sale tickets is a blessing so I can show up to all of your parties and pay 10 bucks to get in. If you are SVP, Mikkel. <laughs> <laughs> I get a pass. I get a pass. <laughs> yes. Um, so on the, on the Bunker's Drip, actually, and that's drip.com slash thebunkerny. You pay $10 a month, and then basically you get into every party we throw in New York for $10, and you get all the music on the label the day it comes out digitally. And so it's been a big hit with our core group of fans in New York. They're involved in the community and saving a lot of money at the same time. So it's been working out really great. It's a good deal. And it's actually a surprisingly successful trip, uh, given what all of the other trips tend to do, because this one wasn't about... Um, getting all of your releases, it really was, you know, about having the community inside and getting access to the parties, which you guys do a really good job with. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So the question was, how did the when, idea? When did? When did the idea? You know, I think I'm gonna go ahead and say that I think Sam already had the idea even before we started talking about it. Um, I think there's an email that is probably framed up on a wall somewhere where one of our uh, customers at the Ghostly Store had emailed him and said, you know, hey, I'm buying everything that you guys put out. You're pretty awesome. Uh, can I just give you my credit card? And uh, you just send it to me. And so he had been pushing on me to, you know, stop worrying about the content management system and like, let's build this other thing. Like, this is going to be way cooler. And so finally we got started on it and built a prototype and, you know, got some interest from some of our uh, friends at other labels like Stone's Throw and Dirty Bird and Fool's Gold. And uh, that sort of gave us the confidence to build it out as a platform. And so we did that. And here we are today. <laughs> yeah. Many years later, put a lot of time into this thing. And recently we thought Drip was going to end and it hasn't. It's living now at Kickstarter. Yeah. Uh, shout out to all my new co-workers at kickstarter <laughs> or maybe tuning in right now um yeah that was wild uh we went through a period where you know we were just kind of looking at our options and uh you know doing what startups do and kind of made the decision that we thought we couldn't go further uh, with the resources that we had and so decided to kind of shut it down um hope that someone else can take the baton and keep going and we were approached by Kickstarter. Uh, Yancey, who's the founder over there, is good friends with Sam. And I think they, you know, just got some conversations and found something that made sense. And so, you know, came back to the table and I guess at the 11th hour, you know, um, Steph Curry style, <laughs> just saved it and uh, decided to keep it going. So they brought Drip in-house. And so now I am officially a Kickstarter employee and I'll be working with their team there to figure out how to keep Drip alive and how to make it better. Yeah. I know when we announced to the Bunker Drip members that it was when we thought it was going to shut down and the announcement went out that people were really upset and there was like a huge outpouring of love and everybody, all my Drip members that I was bumping into at the party were all like, we're going to keep this going somehow, right? <laughs> so I'm just I'm just curious if that, I'm sure that some of the bigger like Skrillex's Drip and Dirty Birds are probably bigger than ours. Like were, was there a similar outpouring across everybody's drips and did that did that in any way contribute to i guess the 11th hour save is 
Um, yeah, I think there was a similar sentiment across, you know, a lot of the drips. I don't know that that specifically contributed to it. You know, I'm not inside of Yancey's brains, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, people liked it and they didn't want to see it go. And it felt really good to have made something that people actually cared and it was going to shut down because, you know, being in this startup game, you watch things come and go every day and it's just, it's just how it goes. Um, so to have put something out into the world that actually got um, people to care and to reach out and to even you know take actions to try to change course, uh, it feels really good. I think that uh, Sam is visionary and it, you know, really believed in this from the beginning and was very steadfast in trying to keep it uh, pure and about the creators. And um, we found a home that shares our mission and our values, like very closely aligned with the people at Kickstarter. And so it feels very natural. Cool. So let's talk before we finish here a little bit about your career as a DJ. Um, I Non-career. Saw... What? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> um, I saw that you're in your non-career as a DJ that you got a non-residency at the Electric Pickle in Miami. <laughs> What's? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's cool. Uh, what's up, Diego and uh, Will and Pat and everybody out in Miami? Um, yes, so that actually kicks off uh, this Saturday uh, with Trust Me and will be a quarterly residency that uh, pretty much just came out of, um, you know, I met Diego and his partner Ramon for, from Safe at uh, Movement you know, many years ago and we just kind of became friends and would go down there and play and uh, I had a really good time and that was actually the first time I played with Ryan Elliott back to back like an entire night and it went off so well that you know they sort of invited me back a couple times and now it's happened enough that we just said let's make it official and just try to get on the calendar four times a year um so yeah that's that's happening um, any other recent notable gigs? I know you've, you, you played in Berlin at some point, right? Where did you play in Berlin? Uh, I played at Renata, uh, oh, last Halloween. Fun. Yeah. Super fun. Uh, or maybe two Halloweens ago. Uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. And, uh, I have a really awesome gig coming up tomorrow at the bunker. <laughs> yes. We've mentioned this a couple times, yeah, but to go uh, over it once again yeah. at Good Room, <laughs> 15 years of Spectral. It's really, I mean... I feel like especially the people like a lot of my a lot of my friends who lived in Detroit who are like super fans of this music are really upset that they're not they can't be in New York for this thing. So for people in New York, this is like a really, really special Detroit, Michigan thing, crazy lineup. It's JTC, Osborne, Patricia, Miguel, of course. Uh, and then in the bad room, the first half of the night is going to be Mike Servito back to back, Derek Pazleko, and then an extended set from Jeffrey Sapphire to close it out. So that's all at the good room tomorrow. It's $20 at the door, $10 for the bunker drip members. If you want to sign up for drip, uh, more info on that and all of our Releases, podcasts, etc. at thebunkerny.com. We have a release out last week from Donato Dazi, and another one coming out this week, or probably in stores this week, next week, the Patrick Russell remix EP, and some more exciting things that we're not going to announce just yet. Um, anything else? Any other notable gigs? Um, let's see. I think uh, Bushwick AV... Here in New York, uh, I think on April 24th with uh, Seville and Steve Mazek. 
uh, from Smart Bar and the Chicago crew. And uh, May 7th uh, at the Pickle again with Ryan Elliott. And then May 13th um, at LeBen with Vinsel. And that is it. And uh, yeah, I'm tr- going to Detroit to hang out for a movement. And I'd like to play. So holler at me. Detroit promoters. <laughs> no shame. <laughs> <laughs> Hit him up. Well, that was uh, an amazing set. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I think we have a few more minutes left in the show here. Three more minutes. So uh, I'm just going to play some music, finish it out. You're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. 